It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Good evening, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode here of On the Fence Side with Cat and Powell. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, the Fan Sided Network, and FinFanatic.com as well. We are taking a look at our front seven for the Dolphins with less than two weeks away from the beginning of Dolphins training camp and three, three and a half weeks away from the Dolphins' first preseason game uh, here on actually almost a month. It's Wish you would be sooner, but uh, first preseason game I think is a month from today on 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 August fourteenth. So we're continuing to to go through here, and we've got a couple of positional previews left, uh, doing the front seven here today as well as the defensive back spot. So Paul, we always look at the front seven, and it gets so hard not to just it gets so hard to talk about just defensive tackle or just edge or just linebacker because so many of this of these players fall into different can possibly be in different spots is andrew van ginkle is he an off-ball linebacker is he an edge player is he a defensive end who knows that's why we talk about the whole shebang here but you know we're going to talk about over half of the defense here with with the front seven so this is a unit very responsible for the dolphins being first and third down uh, third down defense last year first in turnovers sixth in quarterback rating sixth in points allowed in the nfl so a very impressive group in the front seven here and and one that's very important for the dolphins here attention listeners across the galaxy all the way from australia to houston do we have a pube problem if so our friends at manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0 kick your pubes to the next planet with their performance package 4.0 The orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming. Join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. Ready for an out-of-this-world experience, fellas? Look no further than the Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped that has just taken off not only in the USA but Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your whole solar system. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDED20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls will thank you. Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, and, and, you know, you say we can't talk about just a defensive tackle. I could talk about fat guys all day. Like, it's it's anybody that's listened to our show knows that I love my fat guys up front. I love my meat monsters on offense. I like my big, fat bastards on defense. And, you know, like, God, we get to talk about Zach Sealer and his body like Sully from Monsters, Inc. here. I'm loving it. Before we get to that, um, it's already been mentioned in the chat here. So I, I say that the trade whispers for Xavier and Howard are starting to get a little bit louder. I don't, I don't buy it either. <laughs> I mean, I just don't. I mean, look, I know a lot of people start out on Bleacher Report and everything, and I look, there you've got some some good writers. You've got some not so good writers over there. I'm not going to name names. Um, name them. But no, no, don't. I'm not like that. I'll say this. 
unless the Dolphins get two first-round draft picks for Xavier Howard, which will not happen, um, I- I'm not interested. And the only way I would take two first-rounders and trade for Xavier Howard is if he's also demanding $20 million plus a year on a completely new contract, which I don't think he's doing either. So, oh, no. I the, If the Dolphins are going to be good, the next two years is are the two years that they really have to do it. I'm not saying they can't be good after that, but that's what you got to focus on for these two years. And Xavier Howard in his prime coming off a near defensive player MVP season, he's got to be part of that. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if he's going to get more from anybody else than he would get from the Dolphins at this point. Uh, He has some knee issues. He has the charges. Uh, that even though they got, I believe they got dropped at this point. And talking about the ones last year, yeah. Oh yeah, so, that guy. That's that's way. That's way. But they're still they still exist. They're not just because they got dropped doesn't mean they're not there, and that does cause some hesitancy for folks. Um, so, I mean, he's going to get paid, but I think the Dolphins would probably pay him more than anybody else. And if I were going to do that contract, if I were the front office, I would backload that contract. Not give him a whole bunch of money up front and then have him pissed off in two years he's making less than other people. Have it escalate throughout the, the life of the, the extension, uh, even if it starts to bump it a little this year and have it grow over time so that we're not having to deal with this every two years. See, I, I'm the opposite on that. I, I'd rather have them paying uh, Howard more money here in 2022 and 2023 when he's still in his 20s. And then after that, as he approaches 30, you're probably going to want to get him off the books pretty soon after that anyway. I mean, he could play to 32 or 33, but it's very, it, it very rarely happens for a cornerback to play at that high level um, for, you know, into his 30s, unless he is a zone corner, like uh, how Richard Sherman has played. You know, Richard Sherman, maybe not the best guy to bring up right now, but Richard Sherman covers a very specific area of the field at 32 years old. He's not covering up and down the field doing everything that a cornerback needs to do in a man defense. So I'd rather front reload it a little bit more, but then again, that's what they did last time. And it didn't, it didn't work. Exactly. So. My point. Um, and, and you know what? A small extension um, that allows them to do that, spread some money with guaranteed and, or uh, with bonus money. Um, because I, while I do think there'll be a small drop off at you know thirty between thirty two and thirty five for him, eighty percent of Xavier Howard's still better than ninety percent of the league. So and that that money at that point in time is going to look like a drop in the bucket, given the seventeenth game, given the playoff expansion, given the uh, foray into other countries and things like that. Then the new money that's going to be coming into the league and the collective bargaining agreement and the way that the salary cap gets set and escalated. That money, while it may look big now, it doesn't look outrageous. It wouldn't look outrageous to me. And it would look even less outrageous as the life of the contract wore on. So for me, it it's an easy one. Here, we're, we're going to do this this one time, and you have to make it known to the other players in the locker room, we're not renegotiating with you every year. This is a special situation based on the way he proved it last year. If you go out and you make almost defensive player of the year, we'll talk about your contract. Exactly right. And that's 
that's where a lot of people say it sets a sends a bad message to the team or sets a bad precedent. No, it doesn't. It doesn't set it. Look, it, it, and here's my comparison. If Zach Sealer, who we're going to talk about here, who's a, a fantastic player, he just did, had a new contract last year. If he plays better this year, he's not going to go to the Dolphins and say, I want a new contract already. They're going to say, no, you're not Xavier Howard, this, you know, a, de- a defensive MVP candidate. You're a good player. That's what we signed you for. So I don't think there's a precedent set. I don't mind making exceptions for one of the best defensive players in the league uh, yeah. when he wants it. So, it, but I, I know that there's a, the Dolphins part of it too, Paul, where he got the money, a lot of the money up front, and now he's acting like he just didn't get that money. Well, that's not the case either. So I can understand that it's all part of the dance here. Um, but I think at the end, what's going to happen is that it, they're going to make Howard the highest paid cornerback on the team, but not Jalen Ramsey, you know, type of extension. So I'm sorry, I rambled on there. Go ahead. No, it's and actually Jeff said something similar in chat about he just wants to be paid more than Jones. And I think that's right. It's, you know, if you're the best person at your job, you don't want to make less than the guy next to you doing the same job as you. Um, it, and that's 100% true. Anybody has that mentality where if you're at your job and you can flip 30 burgers when the guy next to you can only flip 10 and you find out he's making more than you, you're going to be pissed off and, you know, have a conversation. So, Yeah, I can I can understand that. And it's a lot of it's the timing. I mean, Howard got the extension and then Byron Jones was signed the next year. Uh, so I can understand and, that. And, um, yeah, sorry, I just want to answer one thing in chat before we move on. Uh, Chad Dinsky asked me what happens when Byron or asked what, what happens when Byron has a better year this year, and I, I want to take that one because look, I'm a UConn guy. I've met Byron's family. Byron's a great dude. No way. The only way he has a better year than X is if X is on IR. That's the yeah. It's it's yeah. if his numbers get inflated, it's because he's playing across from X. I love Byron. I want Byron on this team, but but. You can't. I think there's more of a a possibility that something happens to Howard, like uh, the the knee starts acting up and he's either hurt or a step slower than there is of Byron Jones just having this out of his mind season. He's not that type of player. He's not. He's not. He can't do physically what Xavier Howard can. He's not. He's not the playmaker he is. He's just a solid overall cornerback. And I'm very happy that the Dolphins signed him last offseason. So. The secondary goes hand in hand with the front seven and the pass rush here. And, you know, the big changes here on the front front seven, Paul, obviously, they, the Dolphins draft Jalen Phillips in the first round, and then they trade Shaq Lawson to the Texans for Bernard Rick McKinney, who is a former Pro Bowl linebacker, was hurt last year, but before that, very, very durable, big 6'5", 250-pound inside linebacker. And they also cut Kyle Van Noy. So th- those are the major changes there. But other than that, a lot of the same guys return. Um, on the defensive line, you've got Emmanuel Ogba as your top pass rusher uh, until at least Jalen Phillips overtakes him on that. At defensive tackle, you really do know what to expect. You're going to have a three-man rotation of Raquan Davis, Christian Wilkins, um, and, and Zach Sealer. Uh, you may you're gonna have some other guys peppered in there, but that that's basically it there. Then at linebacker, you're gonna have Jerome Baker, 
and uh, Andrew Van Ginkle getting the mo- uh, most of the most of the snaps. Jalen Phillips, whether you want to call him an outside linebacker or a defensive end, he's expected to get obviously a lot of playing time too. So, yeah, no, I'm very excited about this uh, this front seven. Yeah, I am too, and and really. <sighs> I, I like having Bernardrick McKinney so much more than I liked having Lawson. Uh, I, I love the emergence of Andrew Van Ginkle last year. I think Jalen Phillips, if he can stay healthy, is going to be an absolute monster in this defense. And you take a look at some of these players Miami has and what they do with them. The interesting thing to me, and I'm going to bring this up now, is Travis Wingfield, a um, friend of ours there that you guys may have heard of. I'm sure you guys have at this point. Um he put out a tweet today in response to Omar Kelly and his goofiness uh, as far as the number of pass rush snaps that uh, Jerome Baker has had the last two years. And he stole some of this from PFF and fully admits it. But over the past two years, he's got the, he's the second most snaps of any off-ball linebacker in the league since Flores got there, where he's rushed 269 times in two years per PFF. And the interesting thing to me as well is Two years ago, um, he was about seventh in the league. Sam McGuavin was second. And tenth on that list, Benardrick McKinney with, with the Texans. So they have two guys on the inside that really, I believe it was 134 pass rush snaps for Jerome Baker. Sam McGuavin had 234 that year. Holy crap. Uh, but then Bernardrick McKinney had 123 with the Texans. So I think you're probably going to see a decent amount of them rushing a little more than you expect from that linebacker spot. Um, and it's been consistent for Baker. He had 134 one year, 135 the next. Well, good, good numbers there. Uh, he, and you look at the Dolphins' sack totals last year. Agba led the team with nine, uh, most of which came at the beginning of the year. But then you had Kyle Van Noy. Andrew Van Ginkle and Jerome Baker combining for 18 sacks among the three of them. After Emmanuel Agba with nine, um, no Dolphins defensive lineman had more than three and a half sacks. And that three and a half sacks came from Zach Sealer at defensive tackle, who nobody is going to confuse with somebody like Jalen Phillips. And that's that's what that's I, I've got to be honest, I'm more excited about Jalen Phillips on defense than I am about Jalen Waddle on offense uh, because of what he can bring to complete the defense. Because if look, I love that the dolphins play this aggressive, bring the house cover zero style of defense. That is awesome to watch. I was begging for that with these Bengals defensive coordinating buffoons for years uh, who played this zone heavy crap. Um, The reason is Yes, they can still blitz linebackers. They can still bring the house. The Dolphins blitzed more than every any other team in the NFL except for three teams last year. But you can't do that every play. It's not sustainable. So that's why you've got Jalen Phillips now. And so now you have the ability to have Jalen Phillips and, and Emmanuel Agba coming off the edge. So when you don't want to blitz, you don't have to, and you can still get to the quarterback a lot of the time. So – those blitz numbers are deceptive. It's yes, they technically, by normal football, you line up your three four or four three or whatever you're running on defense, and those guys from the second level come in. 
that's always a blitz. It, with this amoeba defense that they like to run, this positionless front seven that they like to run, it's not necessarily blitzing in the traditional sense, even though it's going to go down as on PFF. It's those are the four players or five players on this play that are designed to rush the passer, and these three or four players are designed to drop into, into some zones on, on those plays as opposed to, like, okay, you know, the, the front four are definitely coming. Is one of the, the, the second level three following? It, it's, it's a weird little delineation there. But again, it, it's because of the positionless way and the fact that like we can't talk about somebody as just a defensive tackle or a defensive end or an off-ball linebacker, really, per se, because they're rushing so much, like we just talked about with Jerome Baker anyway. It, it's They're moving all over and coming up to the line of scrimmage before the snap, really being a pseudo-lineman. It, it's, it's, it's a tough thing to describe, but it's not necessarily the blitzing in the traditional sense because that's just... Everybody on the front seven is movable, right? Yeah, if I understand what you're saying, is they're not. They don't. The Dolphins do a phenomenal job, and so much credit goes to Brian Flores and Josh Boyer. You don't know who's blitzing from from play to play because, it, again, I go back to when when Kevin Coyle and and Matt Burke when they sent when they sent a blitz, you could see it coming a mile away. I mean, there's no shock in it whatsoever. Now you could see a linebacker blitz and a defensive end drop back, but you're always going it, it's, it, to – it's hard. It's hard to, to, to delineate, like you said, what they're going to do from a, from a down-to-down basis. And that's what makes it exciting. It's what makes it unpredictable. And, you know, an, another stat that I saw too is that uh, according to uh, the um, ESPN analytics – the Dolphins' pass pass rush win rate last year, um, when they did not blitz, was twenty four was tied for twenty first. So th- that's not great. Yeah. Uh, and PFF actually had them lower than that. But it shows how they were able to overcome that so much last year and still be tenth in the league in sacks because they were able to still overcome that schematically and, and get a lot of pressure on the quarterback, even though they couldn't just line up four guys and get to the quarterback. Yeah, I, I'm still torn just because the number of plays that they deigned as a blitz when really it was just those were the four designated rushers out of the front seven piece, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse on it. Um, I think they just designed pressure, and I think guys like Jalen Phillips are going to help with that. Uh, and you brought up the Bengals defensive coordinators that we've had over the years, including uh, Matt Burke and Ruin My Night. Um, it's amazing how much better our secondary is when they do something simple like not play 15 to 20 yards off the ball. Uh, and it's amazing how much the front seven is better when our secondary is not 15 yards off the ball, allowing the quarterback to take a three-step drop and dump it repeatedly and you know, allowing the pass rush a chance to get to the quarterback. I absolutely love the USA Today article uh, a couple weeks ago with Adamic and Sue. Uh, how he he basically humble bragged uh, throughout the entire article about uh, how he needed to be a you know how how he he basically saw in Miami he needed to be a better leader and, and use more tact and talk differently. But one thing he said in there is. Without naming his name, he basically said Matt Burke in 2017 came as as my, as the 
the the coach, the new defensive coordinator, and I disagreed with everything that he said. I'm like, <laughs> no kidding. I mean, for your defensive philosophy to be, hey, um, we're going to we're going to play completely off the football every step of the way, every inch down the field, and we just hope that the quarterback does something completely stupid and sails the ball over the receiver's head because we're going to be right there to intercept it then. Well, and, and and the best part of it was the fact that it was designed to stop the deep ball, but the players themselves got so worried about getting beat underneath that they were charging forward at the snap. So one double move, and that guy was so far gone, their momentum was so bad that it was just forget about it. Like, like oh, look at him go. Hmm. Great. I'm glad we played 15 yards off the ball for nothing. Yeah, it's a it was a cover three bail technique type, and it was embarrassing. It was I mean, a cover ew. Gosh. Um, So looking at the defensive line here, so it's one one advantage, too, that the Dolphins do have heading into the season is at this time last year, the Dolphins basically had Christian Wilkins at defensive tackle because Zach Sealer was somebody who showed some promise in a few games in 2019, um, but we didn't really know what to expect. Raekwon Davis was a late second round pick. He didn't hear much about out of camp. And then I thought he was terrible in the first month of the season last year. And then he got better and better and better. And now you can really count on him to be that stay at home defensive tackle that can eat, that can add a lot of muscle there and run defense. So, you know, you, really you can, you, you know what to expect out of the defensive tackle spot, I think. And then after that, you bring in Adam Butler from new England uh, who has, I, th- I think he had, what, 18 sacks over the last three years for the Patriots. I think the most on their team. I could be mistaken on that. Um, to add some more pressure from the defensive tackle spot. So I I do think I do think Adam Butler is a lock, too, to be on that. And then that sets up an interesting competition, maybe for the last defensive line spot, between John Jenkins and Jason Strobridge. Maybe both of them make it. Um, but I think... More than likely, the Dolphins are going to go with one or the other. Here's the thought, and I know you'll love this, and I'm not sure if you said it because I was looking at my own stuff while, while during part of what you said, and I apologize. I've kind of come around on the thought of trading Christian Wilkins. What are you getting for him? I, I would take a second at this point and, and just uh, write would, it off. Uh, um, um, yeah, I would too. I would, uh, I would probably, I'd probably take a third. Uh, yeah. to be, I, I just... No, third, no, no. A second, I would do a second. I don't think anybody would offer it. Look, Wilkins is, and it, it. This really does depend on where you get drafted, in in that context, because I think Wilkins is a good player. Uh, don't, don't get, and if if the Dolphins had drafted him in the same spot they drafted Raekwon Davis, you know, late in the second round, I think we would have said that's a good pick. Is he what was he what the thirteenth overall pick in the draft in twenty nineteen? Probably not. He's still a good player though. Um, and, and I think it's important that the Dolphins, at least over the next two years, as Tua grows, and they've got a lot of players here on rookie contracts, that the they continue to harvest those those good players on rookie contracts. Well, and, and here's part of my justification here. I would start along those three true defensive line positions. I would start Emmanuel Agba, Raquan Davis, and Zach Sealer at this point. Um, it, it's Sealer is better against the run and can rush the pass better than Wilkins. Uh, Davis is that stout guy in the middle at nose that can occasionally get through and cause some havoc. Agba is Agba. Um, 
And then after that, like you said, you've got Butler, you've got Strobridge, you've got Jenkins, you've got Benito Jones. Um, Nick Coe is intriguing, and they've still got, what's his face there, uh, Kiraz Nito, uh, the international prospect uh, to, to potentially get involved. And let's not forget, Ledbetter and Render looked good in the preseason a couple years ago and when they got a chance. So you've got a lot of bodies along that defensive line that you might want to get a crack at. And it, it's not a, I dislike Christian Wilkins. I like his energy, but he's not as good as the guys behind him, or a guy behind him at least. I, I think he... I, I like Sealer and Raquan Davis more than Wilkins. Yeah, I'll, I'll, tell, I, I'll tell you that, and I think that's what you're saying too. Um, I do like that three-man defensive tackle rotation, though. Um, that that's why I would stay with him. It, it would make him a little bit more expendable, to um, um, you know, especially with Adam Butler in the picture. But the main thing is, if you try to trade Christian Wilkins, which is not being talked about, let's get that straight. Um, I don't think you're getting more than a fourth or a fifth round pick for him. I, I just, I, just a, a, a six four, three hundred and ten pound defensive tackle who doesn't get a lot of sacks, doesn't pressure the quarterback a lot, is just okay against the run. An okay defensive tackle nets a fourth or a fifth round pick at best. So no, I, I would hold on to Wilkins for that reason. But um, yeah, yeah, looking at the rest here, uh, Jason, you, you mentioned uh, Ledbetter and. The, it, yeah, not only did he play well in preseason in 2019, he actually got a sack in his first game. Mm-hmm. Then he went down for the year, and nobody's heard from him since. So I was, I, I got to be honest, up until a couple of days ago, I, I had to do a double take and say, I, I didn't even think he was on the team still. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if he's healthy, I think it's possible that if the Dolphins keep, you know, six defensive linemen, that maybe he challenges Jason Strobridge for a roster spot. It is. It's absolutely possible. I mean, Strobridge is a guy that I really want to see a little bit of this preseason. Uh, he was a guy I was very high on when they took him um, late last year, and I can't remember the exact round they took him in. But fifth was, round, yeah. It was. It was the fifth. I thought. Yeah, it was, it was middle of the fifth. Yeah, I was. Oh, he I was, was the second fifth rounder after Blake, right? Ferguson? Uh, no, after after Weaver. Uh, went Weaver. I think it went Weaver, Strobridge, and then Blake Ferguson was sixth round. Okay, but. Regardless, it, it, it's I really, really liked him coming out of college, and then there were moments, and then he just disappeared. And there wasn't anything that anybody could point to. I talked to a lot of people behind the scenes down there, um, and nobody could really point to anything negative, but nobody could ever really point to anything positive either. He, he, he was fairly invisible, which is both a good and bad thing at the positions he plays and I'd be very curious to see if the speed of the game slows down for him because he was a very productive player in college he was he wasn't a flashy player in college I mean he never got I think his career high in sacks was three and a half uh, at North Carolina but he's a toolsy guy I mean he's he's athletic he's six foot what he's six foot four 270 pounds and you know if you draft someone like that in the middle of the fifth round and they are just a really good you know backup defensive end rotational guy who averages 15 or 20 snaps a game you know for a couple of years that's good value in the fifth round you know you're you're not going to get 
you're not going to get a Zach Thomas uh, in, in in the fifth round every year. It's just not going to happen. Stro- so Strobridge, he's got to take that next step up because, yeah, he didn't show a whole heck of a lot last year, but he definitely does have uh, the the raw raw toolkit. Um, I have him making the roster too, and I keep talking about it's either Jenkins or Strobridge. I think on my roster here, I actually do have them both making the team. Um, Tyshawn Render, who who has played a few games for the Dolphins and has spent most of the time in the practice squad. He, Benito Jones, Nick Coe, guys who really do have to step up. Maybe you see a couple of them on the practice squad again. Um, the guy I'm looking at, though, Paul, as as the domino that could make the rest of this defense go, to me, is Andrew Van Ginkle at linebacker. I mean, I this is the way I, I look at the linebacker position. I, I'm not. I'm actually not the biggest Bernardrick McKinney fan, to be honest with you. He was – he's – He's played a lot of games in his NFL career. You know, he's going into, I believe this is his seventh year. He was drafted in 2015. Um, he was hurt last year. He's a, he's, he can be a little bit stiff because he's so giant. Um, so I, I understand. I, I would take him over Shaq Lawson, no doubt about that. But my point is that at linebacker, Jerome Baker is obviously going to be on the field for just about every play. And if Andrew Van Ginkle, can take that next step up. And I, you know, we're talking about five and a half sacks, three forced fumbles last year. He's already on the way up. If he could take another step up and take Kyle Van Noy's reps, I think that's an upgrade. And then from that point, you're not looking for McKinney to take over Van Noy's role. You're looking for him to be better than Landon Roberts, which is a layup for him. So that's kind of how I look at the linebacker spot. Yeah, no, and I'm glad you said that because I was literally just about to ask you if you would take Jerome Baker and Bernardrick McKinney at those two linebacker spots with Andrew Van Ginkle at that that other out- linebacker spot. And obviously Jalen Phillips wasn't even a possibility but until this year. But, hell, I'll be honest, even if we hadn't drafted Jalen Phillips, I would have taken Van Ginkle, Bernardrick McKinney, Baker, and um, Vince Beagle over last year's lineup at this point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of Vince Beagle here, um, a question I asked on Twitter is, there are a couple of players on the roster that I I, I asked, are they locks to make the roster? I mean, by locks, let's say, I don't know, 90 or 95% chance of making the roster or better. I uh, uh, looked at Lynn Bowden, um, Michael Dieter, uh, and Vince Beagle, and one other guy. And and I asked that question, are these guys all locks? And we had a lot of varying opinions. So I'll ask the same question to you. Do you think Beagle is a lock to make the roster? Let's say 95% chance or better to make the roster right now. 95% or better, no. Okay. I agree. Um, but I'd say it's definitely better than 80% chance to make the roster. It's you look yeah. at what he was doing before he went down um, in in uh, the first year in the system, and he was starting to look like a very special player. He didn't put up the sack numbers, but he put up the pressure numbers. He put up the win rates. He put up, you know, the quarterback hits and hurries, and and he screwed up a lot of throws coming off the edge, and it, it's. He was starting to get written about by Peter King, which was unheard of for a player like Beagle that was just kind of an afterthought player that everyone kind of looked at and went, well, that's the price of unloading a player like uh, 
Ah, Meathead there, the one that went to the Ravens sideline in the middle of a game. Uh. Oh, Kiko? Kiko. Okay. Yes. Well, I see, I, I don't know if Kiko sucked because any, any linebacker who played in for Matt Burke at middle linebacker uh, was going to suck. But I think Kiko, Kiko wouldn't have been able to figure out this defense. Yeah, you're probably right. I, yeah, he was. His first year, he his first year he was very hit and miss. After that, he was just a train wreck. He was um, very athletic. He he when he was great, he was great. But if you asked him to think, he was horrific. It, it, because he was a really nice guy, but he was dumb. Just absolutely he, dumb. He, he he would make a play every two or three games, um, or at least at the beginning of his Dolphins career, and then he would. It would just be awful. I remember actually when uh, last game we watched together when you came to St. Louis, the Panthers Monday Night Football game, him trying to cover Christian McCaffrey. With, uh, yeah. Anyway, we could go on about that. But going back to Vince Beagle, yeah, I think that his main competition to make the roster is going to be Brennan Scarlett, who was signed from the Texans, uh, who's actually started a lot of games. He was actually the back, the main backup for several years behind Jadavian Clowney and and Whitney Merciless there in, in Houston, and because both Clowney and and Merciless got nicked up a lot, he saw a lot of playing time. So th- this guy started as I think I think two years in a row he started more than ten games. I could be mistaken on that, um, but yeah, I, I I thought he was a pretty good under the radar signing. And but I do think Vince Beagle and Brendan Scarlett are going to be competing for one roster spot, and and that's where it gets fascinating too when you look at this roster now is you're talking about guys like Jakeem Grant um, you know Vince Beagle Brennan Scarlett John Jenkins maybe not even making the team and, and we're looking at them as pretty good football players still yeah I mean you look at the roster two years ago and it, it's it almost looked like somebody just took a Mad Lib and wrote random names in there uh, across a lot of the positions and now in two years, Greer and Flores and company and Reggie McKenzie and I'm blanking on the third name in that front office of the trifecta. Marvin Allen. Yeah, Marvin Allen. Uh, have rebuilt this roster in such a way that we've got multiple positions that we're talking about trying to trade players before making cuts, um, which is phenomenal. To me, I mean, you watch teams not be able to rebuild a roster in a decade. Let's face it, we've watched a team not be able to rebuild a roster in a decade. Uh, maybe bits and pieces, but there was never a point where they had positions so deep that it was like, oh, we're going to have to trade a couple of these guys because we can't keep them all. Uh, usually it was like, all right, well, we'll cut these guys and then we'll keep an eye on these other rosters and try to sign somebody to replace those those last couple. So, Well, my, my rule of thumb is that I don't like to trade a player like on a rookie contract where you're not paying them all that much and then turn around and use that draft pick to hopefully get that type of player. Because you, if you said, like you talked about through Christian Wilkins out there, if you got a fourth router for Christian Wilkins, I would hope they would. And then they drafted a defensive tackle the following year in the fourth round. I would hope he would be as good as Christian Wilkins, which he probably wouldn't be. Uh, and, and I got to take an issue with uh, some someone in the chat here, and it's on the Finn side here. Uh, oh, that's you. Um, as far as snap counts, uh, yeah, I I agree with uh, with uh, with Chad right there. Uh, Christian Wilkins is going to get more more thirty to thirty five percent of snaps on defense. I, he asked what I would do. Oh, gotcha. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, then yeah. that makes sense. Never mind. 
I take it back. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, I had to think because it was like 45 minutes ago I put that down. <laughs> yeah, God. see, it's why it's just why I don't. I, I can't do two things. Your internet is slow. You see, you see why I can't. Uh, no, not this week. I'm not at the freaking lake where the internet. <laughs> The whole internet went down, went out for two days after our show, so we got lucky. Actually, I'm out there. In right. the we crashed the internet at the lake house. Uh, what's uh, uh, Marty Bird was out there in the the lake, uh, cutting down wires out there for some reason. I don't know. I, I didn't get a chance to ask him. Um, for those who watch Ozark, that's a reference on that. Anyway, I'm really getting offline here. So uh, the rest of the roster um, at linebacker. Um, Duke Riley is somebody that was, again, along with Brennan Scarlett, kind of of an under-the-radar signing, was a former third-round pick out of LSU. Um, I think he will he could be kind of that that pass defense guy uh, in the middle of the defense because McKinney and Van Ginkle are not necessarily known for their pass defense. So Riley, you didn't pay much. What, a one-year, million-and-a-half contract there? I, I, I think he could be interesting uh, there. So... We'll we'll see about that. And yeah, I do think Calvin Munson makes the roster it's for the same reason. I think I think Matt Collins makes the roster. Well, Paul, you can't see, you can't cut Clayton Fedulum, Calvin Munson, and Matt Collins. The Dolphins are just not going to do that. Well, not all of them. Don't forget Jamal Perry. Jamal Perry. Yeah, I mean, well, actually, if you cut Fedulum, you're, you're keeping Perry. There's no doubt. About no, it. you can't. You can't just have seven pure wide receivers. Some of these guys have to play special teams. That's important. To Brian Flores, so yeah, I think Calvin. We've got, we've got special teamers in spades. I'd rather get rid of all Rougey Hill uh, and have him play special teams than Calvin Munson. I probably would have rather had Rougey Hill over over, yeah, definitely over Munson, probably over Duke Riley too. So, mm-hmm. um, now anyway. I would stash. Now I, th- I think a Landon Roberts you're going to be able to stash on the PUP list um, heading into the season, just based yeah. on his, his his knee issue. Got it. Got it. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at a few of the chat questions here. Um, to uh, uh, Phil uh, Montgomery asked in the chat here about why what did the Patriots uh, sign Davin Gotcha over Butler? Um, they're they're two different types of players. I think Gotcha is more of a presence against the run, um, but he's six three, three hundred pounds. I mean, this is not a big hulking dude, Davin Gotcha. He was a good player for the Dolphins. Got hurt last year. I thought when Gotcha left the lineup, and I said this at the time, I thought their run defense immediately got better. I don't see what the big deal is about Gotcha, especially with what the Patriots paid him. And Butler can get to the quarterback, so he fits he fits a lot better here. I, I think if Gotcha were on the team, believe it or not, he would be the fourth best defensive tackle in this group easily. Yeah, I, I'm with you. And I, I'm, I'm sorry, I went back to Mac Hollins because it just occurred to me something our listeners may or may not have checked out. Uh, a few weeks ago, Kat and I had the pleasure of being on the Moving Moving the Sticks podcast, and we were on there. They pre-record their their show and they they meet with each guest individually. And, and Kat and I had a good laugh about this after the show aired uh, because they meet with their guests and then they they take that segment and they stitch the next one onto it, and, and they do a beautiful job over there. It's a fantastic show, and I think within two minutes of, of getting on the air, I managed to thoroughly, thoroughly trash not only Isaiah Ford's performance at the end of the season, but also the the even ability to think about keeping Mac Hollins on the roster and how, how trash he was. And the best part about that was I went back and I watched the Moving the Sticks podcast episode that we were on there and 
two minutes into our interview was also two minutes after they finished up their interview with Mac Hollins. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I really wish, you know, they, they'd pointed out to us like, hey, pick a different guy. Well, in, in, in fairness to them, uh, I think the graphic on the right showed like Mac Hollins and then that was blurred because he was finished and then on the fence side after that. So I... I and I think they mentioned at the beginning of the interview, Matt Collins was just on. So I, 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 I missed that they mentioned it, and when they blurred it, I thought they just talked about Matt Collins, not, you know, that that Mac had literally just gotten off with them, and I'm sitting there saying that he needs to get cut. I'm sick of watching him drop balls, and he, he's just an okay special teamer. The best part about him is the fact he was cut. I, I I disagree. He's an okay special teamer. I, I I think you think everybody's an okay special. No, teamer. I've I've got special teamers I like, but yeah, yeah, the returners. But uh, not just Ma- no Mac Mac Collins. I think I mean the Dolphins special teams unit. Actually, they did load up a few touchdowns, but overall, I think they're they're good. And you got to have a few players like that. Oh, you do. They've got, and that's the thing though too is Miami doesn't have to just have a wide receiver be that guy. They they've gone after special teamers. You know, at at corner, at safety, at linebacker, at at wide receiver too, at running back. So like, they don't have to just go. Ah, our sixth wide receiver has to be a special teamer. If they've got five guys that can be a gunner, you you don't need five gunners. Yeah, you don't. But you need a couple. Yeah, uh, and and that that's for sure. We'll we'll see who those guys are. So yeah, Paul. Overall, I'm excited about this front seven. I think that uh, having Phillips opposite Agba. Uh, having an established three-man defensive tackle rotation, Andrew Van Ginkle broken out, uh, or, or you know, starting to break out last year and getting an even bigger role this year, and now you pair a big Bernardrick McKinney with Jerome Baker in that defense. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly excited, and I'm more excited about the secondary as long as Xavier Howard comes back here. So before we sign off, any uh, additional thoughts? No, um, just a reminder for folks: make sure you go out. And check out Dolphins NYC's MetLife Takeover. I will actually be going again this year, which is going to be awesome. We'll get Cat up there one of these years. They do a fantastic job, and they've got upgrade options. I think if you do the total package with them, uh, I think it's like 10, 10 bucks cheaper than it's ever been, uh, and, and it's a great time. Usually a lot of the beat writers come out there. Um, sometimes some of the players' families come out there. Uh, Joe Rose does his show from the tailgate every year. Nat Moore comes out every year. Tom Garfinkel. Uh, a couple years ago, they had the Marks brothers. They've had Terry Kirby. Uh, Sam Madison's gone to the game with us a few times. Uh, it, it, it's, I mean, obviously Sam won't be there. He's a little busy out in Kansas City now. But, you know, you start running down the guys that have been there, and it's a really cool experience with thousands of Dolphins fans. So make sure you guys check it out. Uh, Dolphins NYC on Facebook or DolphinsNYC.com. Um, again, Igor, Michelle, the crew, and and by the way, they raised ten thousand dollars for charity at last year's, which is amazing. Absolutely, they do great work, and uh, thank you all for joining us here on uh, this Wednesday night. We're going to do the defensive back position here on Saturday morning this weekend, um, and we're getting very close to training camp, and we're going to have some a future show on the training camp battles as well. I'm Brian Kent, NFL on Twitter. Paul is fanatic underscore pick. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, all of our social media outlets, including the fan-sided network and finfanatic.com. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side.